Okay, so um, welcome to the Fear the Podcast, Yanni Viertanen. That's about right. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> about right. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we we obviously connected uh, a couple of years ago, possibly now via um, Instagram, and you are you're an ice hockey player. That's that's what I see most of uh, from yourself. You are a, a fitness enthusiast. Uh, and your other likes are heavy metal music and what is that say heavy metal music and heavy lifting yeah all, all yeah. the important <laughs> all the important things um you're from finland yes yeah originally from finland but uh but i've spent the last um 22 i think it's 22 years now living yeah. abroad so um i've spent the majority of my my life living abroad than i did back home in uh, in finland yeah so living abroad what multiple different places or? yeah well multiple too so i yeah. uh, when i was 16 my family moved to uh, to amsterdam in in holland when my dad's okay. dad's job moved over there um so uh we were supposed to be gone for like two years but that two years like said it's 20 odd now oops yeah um <laughs> so yeah we 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 basically moved there. Plan was to stay for two years, but at the end of the two years, I was in my final year of uh, of high school or A levels. I think it is equivalent to the UK system, and I kind of said to my parents, "I look, I don't really want to go back to Finland, start all over again. Can I just finish it here?" And they were like, yeah. "Okay." We'll, so extended it by a year. I graduated, um, and then I was like, oh, "I'm not really ready to go back to or go to uni or anything." I didn't even know if I wanted to go to uni um, yeah. at that point I just wanted to get out and work um, found a bit of work to in a call center um, and basically did that for a couple of years did my national service in between um, in Finland and uh, then um, as with a lot of things you know that job moved abroad overseas and I was kind of like well I need to figure out something else to do with my life um, I'd always been interested in advertising and marketing um, so I kind of saw my old guidance counselor in high school and she kind of said, if you want to get good at that, you need to go and study in the UK. And I got, was like, okay. See and then ya. September, 2003, I was in Southampton, never been to the UK before. I was like, yeah. right. How, does, how do things work here? Then? <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Yeah. So what, what was it that, um, that interested you in that field of work? Um, you know, you kind of mentioned that, uh, in the intro that, you know, I'm into, heavy music and everything else so I was kind of like this um as a teenager like this punk kid into skater punk like yeah fuck the system type thing <laughs> yeah so I was, I was kind of like my my main motivation for it was like all the kind of guerrilla marketing that you saw people do like you know they they'd bomb like the McDonald's adverts and everything right, else I was yeah. like I want to do that shit <laughs> and I kind of needed to understand the basics of it. Like why do companies advertise? And then I kind of started to, as I started to study um, advertising and marketing, I was like, this shit actually makes sense to me. Like I, I can see why people do it and why, why they're kind of looking into it and everything else. And um, then during my course, I did a module in public relations and that was like, I found my thing. Yeah. Like this is what I, I want to do. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I've, since I graduated from uni, I've been working in that field ever ever since. So, um, good fourteen odd years. Wow. I, I think it's fourteen years. Yeah, yeah, it, it has to be fourteen years or so. Well, that's good. To say, good that you've had a, an idea of where you wanted to go pretty much quite early. 
I've uh, yeah. I've been I mean, useless with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that I didn't really know that I wanted to go down that road. Um, yeah. Like I said, for me, it was like, how do you like sabotage companies in their advertising? And yeah. I'm going to be probably fired for this. <laughs> I say this. <laughs> but but no, it, but then I kind of realized that actually real world doesn't work like that. That's not going to pay my bills and sure. I'm not going to be living this squat for my whole whole life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the PR side of things that just made sense to me. Um, and I've always been into technology like computers and stuff ever since I was a kid. Um, so I specialized in, in technology and I've, I've been kind of doing that for, for my entire life with a, with a four year stint working with, with cars as well. Yeah. So you, uh, being here in England, you're, you're happy being here. You like it here now. And, uh, this is it. You set or you due to head home or, uh, I mean, it's, it's difficult because my, my brother lives in, in the UK as well. Um, he, he lives in Canterbury. Um, and the rest of my family, like my parents, grandparents, yeah, everybody else, they're back home. And at the moment, it's one of those kind of situations that my grandparents are are pushing their 90s and everything else. And I kind of feel like I need to be there to spend more time with them. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, it's like my parents are obviously getting older as well. And it's like I kind of need to be closer to them as well. Yeah. But you know, at the moment, life is, life is here. And, um, that's kind of, this is kind of where I've laid down some, some roots. Um, yeah. but you know, um, when we, when we moved abroad, we kind of got used to the fact that, you know, we're here for two years and in the next two years, we, or the next year we might be moving back or we might be moving to a different country. So yeah. you kind of learn to, to adapt, um, to kind of live almost one foot out the door, um, yeah. mentality. So, I'd say that I've got most of my body in through the door, but I probably still have like Your part of my foot. <laughs> yeah, toes hanging out the door. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so what, what do you think, um, as you said, as a kid, you were kind of that uh, punk fuck system kind of person. Um, <laughs> do you know what kind of inspired that? What a reason for that? Was that a, like a mental state or was it uh, friends, music? Uh, it definitely sprung from the music. Um, like all my... There, there's a song by um, by Les and Jake called "All My Friends Are Metalheads," and yeah. all of my friends were metalheads. Right. Yeah. Um, so it it sort of sprung from there, and I think where the uh, where the politics came into it was um, around 9/11. Um, that was kind of a the turning point in the way I kind of viewed the world. I think everybody who lived through that. Yeah. Um, if they were, if you were in your teens, when you kind of lived through that, you kind of, it changed the way the world that you lived in. Um, and then there was all, you know, kind of the, all the after, aftermath with the, with Afghanistan, Iraq and everything else yeah. and all the, um, kind of the politics of it. Um, so I think that's where my kind of involvement in that scene, scene came from. And, you know, it, looking back on it, it was just teenage angst um, that was driving it. And then like, you know, without knowing much about politics or, you know, what was going on in the world, you just basically took it. What no effects was saying on a song is like, yeah, Yeah. fuck (laughs) fuck George Bush (laughs) (laughs) and and things like that. So it, it was basically just all driven from there and kind of seeing like um, watching a lot of skate videos and, um, and kind of that scene, you kind of saw that people were just 
kind of you know destroying adverts and and stuff like that and railing against Halliburton and and things like that and you were like yeah that's what I want to get into that looks so cool <laughs> yeah yeah the practicalities and, versus the visual aspects I suppose are slightly different yeah yeah no it, it definitely is and um you know like my parents said I mean they kind of told me that you know it might look cool but when you get older you need to think about how you're going to pay your rent and yeah. you know at 16 17 18 you're kind of like ah, shit doesn't matter to me <laughs> yeah uh, I, don't, I don't need a house i'm never gonna buy a house i'm not gonna be an adult and have kids we don't need yeah. none of that um, yeah yeah <laughs> see that that part of your life where you, you you think you get a bit of disappointment from your parents or um they were just like we know it's a phase yeah he'll uh come for it uh i think my parents they've always been really supportive um supportive of me though i think you know when you're going through a phase like that every parent's kind of like chewing their na nails a little bit like yeah. uh, where's <clears> this gonna go and and everything else but we i never really had a kind of a big falling out with my parents over it they were understanding and they yeah. kind of knew that from their own experiences that you know in the 60s my dad was the only hippie in town um and you know he was kind of like Peace and love, man. And then he 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 was completely against the armed forces and everything else. But wow. he ended up working there for like four or five years when he okay. did his national service. So you know he kind of knew that things and ideals change in yeah, yeah. in people. And you know it. But yeah, I I never had kind of a massive falling out over it. And I think my parents secretly knew that once I was out from there under their roof they kind of knew that you know i'd have to learn to fend for myself and um you know the the things that i thought would gonna were gonna make me money weren't actually gonna gonna work so they they yeah. kind of knew that once i got to experience the real world for myself um it i'd kind of realized that okay i actually you know need to smarten up here a little bit yeah 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 i mean it's um did, did it ever land you in any kind of trouble like with the law or anything did you do anything stupid enough to get in trouble uh no not not from that i mean the the stuff that i did as a kid that would land me in trouble with with the police was uh was nothing to do with like destroying adverts or bus stops or anything uh, not that okay. i not that i destroyed a bus stop in my life <laughs> <laughs> um but uh but it the things that I usually got into trouble were for just intoxication um, right. and what do they call them now, ASPOs, antisocial beha right, behavior okay. was kind of the, the thing that I, I mean, I, I've only been handcuffed a couple of times in my life, um, but it's all been like antisocial behavior type of thing that didn't yeah. land me in, in my record. But they, they decided that this person's had a bit too much to drink and we better take him to uh, to cool down for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, see, I, I'm fortunate uh, in that sense. Is it fortunate or just inexperienced? I've never been arrested, never been handcuffed. Um, I'm a good little boy. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly went through my phase of like, to say that, that not emo, I think they kind of call it grunge uh, yeah. period when I was at school, sort of 2000, 2001-ish. You know, a bit sort of, bit sort of down, bit sort of grumpy. Listen to that, he starting with that heavier music or that kind of thing. Um, but for, for me, a lot of it was just, just feeling like crap. And that's, you know, you found a lot of connection in, in some, yeah. and, you know, a lot of those lyrics. And that's, that's why a lot of those bands are, you know, popular. Uh, such band like, like, um, uh, like Linkin Park or 
Papa Roach, things like that. Their, their lyrics are, they connect with the people of that, that mind at that time, you know. Um, for me, I had the whole uh, split parent situation, dealing with custody battles and shit, bullying and all that jazz. So that really yeah. was like, cut my love into pieces. <laughs> you know. It's a great song. Uh, yeah, no, it is, it is a great song. And, it, and it's, it remains great as well. And they keep, you know, it keeps coming up and it keeps reappearing. And they've, they've just, uh, just done a new version of it as well, haven't they? Um, but yeah, we, we've been fans, me and my wife, uh, Papa Roach, for a long time. We took our daughter to see them for the first time, 2019. I keep wanting to say last year, but last year nothing happened. You know, just, just yeah. <laughs> vanished. Um, but yeah, no, so I never really got in any trouble. I'd say I was just, I was just miserable, I think, as a teen. Um, yeah. Uh, and for me, you know, the, the trouble really did, I didn't get into trouble until I was on my own. And, you yeah. know, kind of living the uni life and going like, hey, yeah, let's yeah. party. See, I, um, I avoided uni. I went to work abroad for Thompson Holidays instead, the kind yeah. of children's entertainer. So I was very, very drunk a lot of the time, but I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think, you know, um, what you were saying about being down as a kid. Yeah. I mean, we moved abroad when I was 16. Yeah. So by that time, you know, I had my kind of routine. I have had a good a good group of friends um back home um and everything else i just had my first girlfriend um like serious girlfriend um so leaving all that behind was like oh yeah so that was kind of i think that was the only time that i was like oh why did my parents have to bring me here yeah and you know you're you're at that age and you don't kind of realize that you've got a massive like a really great opportunity that not a lot of kids back then got yeah to uh, to go and go and live abroad and study in a different different country and go to uh, go to a school where you know you're exposed to uh, different cultures on a day-to-day -day basis um, yeah. but you're kind of like it, it was tough um, to to kind of get adjusted to it from going because where we lived in Finland it was like a small town like but hopefully nobody back from back home listens to this but it was a real <laughs> Hicksville like yeah. like literally when I woke up I'd look outside my my bedroom window and all I would see was like fields. Yeah. Um, so, you know, going from, from a town of about 10,000 people to living in a, in a city like Amsterdam, where you like millions and millions of people and you're kind of like, they're going, what the fuck's going on? Here? <laughs> yeah. Who are all these people? Yeah. And, and just seeing like the, the, the breadth of people, like the different styles and lifestyles that people live there. And you're kind of like coming from a, from a really sheltered, um, yeah, yeah, really sheltered background from where, where I was living. And you're kind of exposed to, um, you know, um, the, the, the kind of free drug culture and everything else. And you're like, holy shit, this is, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to survive here. This is just way too wild. But, you know, um, the first, I'd say the first six to nine months, they were, they were the hardest. Yeah. Um, but after that, things start to normalize. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, I think that's kind of the first time when I started to really struggle with my mental health and everything else of going through that change. Um, yeah. and I think, you know, most, most of my family did yeah. because my parents had never lived, uh, abroad from, from Finland. Um, they had their routines, they were living close to their parents. So they had kind of like that support network yeah. close by. And all of a sudden that support network is a two and a half hour flight away. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and we didn't have things like Skype or zoom 
back then. Yeah. Um, I mean, emails were a thing and MSN was just coming along and yeah, these kids don't know how good they've got it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bit of dial-up internet and some MSN yeah. chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what's that? It takes 20 minutes to connect. Someone's on the phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get off the phone. <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to email my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I don't really have. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you say you say that, that sort of kicked off some uh, mental mental health issues what was it you sort of found was it that you say not just not having that support network and all of you feeling the same within the household yeah and i think because of it was partly that and partly because of the environment that we we were kind of put into so we we come from a you know fairly normal background to to finish standards um we were sort of, I guess you could call it middle class, uh, but we were my dad's company that he worked for. Um, they they basically paid for mine and my brother's schooling. So they put us in this private school uh, right. that cost something like, I can't remember how much it costs a year. Uh, more, than, more than I, I make a year, basically. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, you come from a, from a system where everybody is treated equal, like, that that's kind of the Finnish ethos that you know when you when you go into school and everything else it doesn't matter if you're rich poor whatever you're you're treated the same yeah and you're kind of dropped into a situation where you know your classmates are talking about like oh I took the wrong wallet from home I've only got Japanese yen on me I'm like <laughs> okay and you and when you're kind of the the only kid that like has the one pair of jeans that he wears yeah and everybody else has got like all these fancy clothes like big brands like uh ralph lauren was big back then and everything else and you're you're not wearing anything that's branded and you're kind of like um i feel like i'm a little bit of an outsider here yeah (laughs) not not just from i mean i I spoke english but having to speak that on top and then having like all these what i ended up calling kind of like rich kids yeah yeah. it was like i'm really in the wrong place here and you kind of get into a place uh, as, as a 16 year old that like, like I said, I had my friends and everything else. You're put into a new situation that's completely different to what you're, you're used to. And you're like, I really do not belong here. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, and then when you, when you start missing your home, your friends, your family um, and everything else, and you don't really have that close confidant um there and you know like i said you don't don't have skype or zoom that you can just kind of like hey can we just skype for like half an hour i just really need to talk to you kind of thing uh and yeah you you just feel really really isolated and the the only kind of support network that you have is your is your family and as a 16 year old you don't want to tell your parents all the shit that you're going through that that goes through your mind i think that that's a very valid point and that was very much where where i was at i felt that I eat, I don't know. Well, I don't know if it was well. I felt that I couldn't, but I didn't want to talk to them about what was going on. Um, for them, my, my parents had just taken, well, my dad and my stepmom had taken over family business. And so we're extremely busy keeping that afloat, you know, bringing, bringing that up to some standards of earning some money and making yeah, a living for themselves. And it felt, I think at the time, it felt very much like they were extremely busy. So I didn't, I couldn't talk to them. Or they weren't there and I couldn't talk to them. Oh, my dad would be busy. And this is my stepmom. I can't talk to my stepmom. Do you know what I mean? She's a wicked witch yeah. of the West. 
Um, she knows full well, I used to call her that. She calls herself that. Um, the Wicked Stepmother, that's, that was her role. Um, but yeah, I, I fell out with all my friends at school and it felt at home, like you couldn't talk to anyone. So even there, like, I'm, I'm in a town that I know. I've always kind of lived there. But then I felt very isolated on a day-to-day -day basis at school and then at home as well, you know. And then every morning I had to walk two miles to school to a day where I knew it was going to be miserable. Yeah. You have to get out of bed and take yourself out of that house to make that 45-minute walk to spend six hours being miserable. That was just like, yeah, proper going in inside yourself. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not not nice feeling alone. But the yeah. other thing you, you said as well, obviously, about the kids having all these other things, these better things and having money, and you do at that age, you, you compare yourself a lot to other people and what other people have. It seems to be important. It, it really isn't now. Obviously, as, a, as an adult, we, we know that. Yeah. As a kid, you're like, oh, he's got nice shoes. I like them shoes. He's got a nice jacket. I want that jacket. They've all, Hold on. They've all got nice jackets. And uh, <laughs> where's my nice jacket? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, comparison is is not a, a good thing for the for the mentality, I don't think. But we, we all kind of do it to a certain extent. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, now when I kind of look back on it and that feeling of isolation and where it came from, it's like, well, that's just silly. Uh, but, but you know, for, for a kid, yeah, definitely. I mean, you you want to belong. You want to be with the in crowd and, yeah. and everything else. Um, and when you, when you don't kind of have that and you, you know, you're, everybody else is wearing like nice shoes and you're wearing the same fucking shoes that you wore to PE class. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, so, you know, it, it almost triggers like this, this identity crisis in you. Um, and I, I tried to think, I'm oh, sorry, my, Phone's thinking that I'm speaking to it. Um, <laughs> so, it, you, yeah, you, you almost feel like you're going through this identity crisis um, at a very early age. And, you know, thinking back on it, it's like, as a 16-year-old, that's not the shit that you should, you should be worried about. And, you know, no. I, I mean, obviously, I've got kids now as well. They're, they're still quite young. But I, I worry about, you know, when they're older and they get on social media and stuff, it's like, What's the impact that that's going to have on them? Yeah. Because, you know, I I look at, you know, um, Instagram, Twitter, stuff like that. And I say, I'd say like 90% of the time, the shit that I just see depresses me because it's just like Twitter in particular, because it's just like you open it, it's like you feel like every tweet is just shouting at you. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it's just one of those that like, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. Um, no. And even like when you look on look on Instagram, all you see is like you know the very glossy side of life. Like everything is perfect. Look yeah. at look at my perfect skin. Look at my perfect house. Look at my perfect muscles. Look at my my car and everything else. And you're kind of like, yeah. Oh man, I wish I had that. And that, and that's the thing to say. Even as an adult, there's a there's a part of that. You you know like you even know you know it's fake or you know they've got perfect lighting. You know they've got like nutritionists and trainers and that's what they're getting paid to do. You know that but you still look and go oh gosh, why haven't i got that yeah but you know but you're able to negotiate that in your mind it's like i haven't got that because i don't work for it yeah as a kid to look at all of that and even to see maybe your friends uh you know who are sharing a perfect life on on instagram 
Um, I, I know people who live in not particularly clean environments, but their perception pushed onto Instagram is very, very clean, very tidy, yeah. and very like, uh, and a bit, yeah, a bit fancy, nice lighting, and but I know that's not their reality. And this, I think, say for my kids, my daughter just turned ten, and my son will be eight in July. Um, we don't have them on social media. They they do some like online gaming things that they can invite their friends to. Yeah. Um, but we don't let them loose on social media, even though, again, a lot of their friends already have mobile phones. They already have Facebook and Instagram and uh, TikTok. And it's like, no, no, you don't need it yet. You know, you don't need no. a phone. We get we did get to the point the other day, well, certainly with lockdown, um, my daughter likes to talk to her friends because she misses her friends and rightfully so. This is a crap time for everybody. Um, so she's got message groups with some of her friends on our phones. So then our phones are going off with all their kids messaging us. And it's like, <laughs> oh, hold on a minute. Like it might make sense for us to have a mobile phone in the house for her to be in contact with her friends, but not to go out willy nilly on Facebook, on Instagram. And it was like, check them out. Look at me and my, whatever they're wearing look at my crew <laughs> yeah look at my crew on the streets like with masks on sitting on bikes looking like gangsters or something you know I, I don't look forward to that period of time when they decide to start sharing everything like that um because as i say i think it is a very dangerous place and and it, i think this topic will come up quite a lot with us adults with young kids um because we see it and we feel it to a certain extent and knowing of our minds back when we were kids and you look at them and you really do think, why haven't I got that? And who am I? And why can't I live like this? Um, but so hopefully we'll have educated them enough that, you know, a lot of that is false or hard work. You know, yeah. uh, my boy likes YouTube, um, certain gamers and things on there that he watches completely irritating. I can't yeah. stand most of them, <laughs> but you know, a lot of them make a hell of a lot of money. So a lot of kids are pushed to like, oh, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a YouTuber. It's like, yeah, but you know, that guy has worked for 10 years to be where he is. Yeah. It's not just happened straight away. You know, it's taken effort and work and after hours, like uh, spreading awareness on social media and just constant, constant to, to get, to get noticed. And you're all right. It's worked out for him, but there's you know millions of people who are trying to be gamers or trying to be YouTubers who don't make yeah. it. So you, yeah. you can't compare yourself to them. I think the, the worst one for us was the, the kids watched these two kids. I think they were twins. And they clearly got a lot of money. I assume I think their parents are from wealth. But they do stupid things like, oh, who drops their iPhone off the balcony first? Like, whatever. They're holding their phones over the balcony. It's like, whoever can hold it there the longest wins uh, 10 grand. You're like, these are kids. What are you, what, why is there a 10 grand prize? Like, yeah. And then the other kid dropped his phone and it smashed on the floor. But dad was there with a new one and an Apple watch to go with it. It's like, that's not real life. No. You know, and that's, that's not even a good thing to present to people. I say to him, there's every chance they're sponsored by Apple for this, for the products, you know. Yeah. There's every chance all that, you know, they've got sponsors here, there and everywhere that are paying for all this to happen. You can't just do that with a thousand pounds worth of phone. That's, you can't, you can't do that. <laughs> like, no, no. Let's not, let's not go testing that with my phone. I haven't yeah. got a balcony, so you can't. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. but please don't. Um, but, but I say I think there, there are there are sort of quite a few children who 
we know it's our say on that social media and i think their say their exposure to things isn't isn't going to work out too well i don't think um no but and, to each their own yeah. yeah and you know my my kids are exactly the same they they look at i don't think they kind of watch traditional tv anymore they they just consume content from from youtube and it, like yeah. you said it's the gamers there's like a couple other kids that you know just play with toys and everything else yeah. and you know yeah my kids have come up come up to me and said i want to be on youtube as well and i try to explain to them that do you want to just play and have fun yeah or do you want to plan what you need to play what you need to say and everything else and have somebody stick a camera in your face yeah and film it and then kind of go back edit it then refilm it because something doesn't look right yeah and everything else and i i, I rather you know it, if if they get older and they want to do it fine that's that's their choice but at the moment you know because they're seven and four yeah um i i want to make sure that they they just enjoy their their childhood without any pressure of like oh we need to shoot content so that we get x number of likes and hits on it so that you know yeah. some company somewhere will give us some free free stuff and stuff like that and i'm like that's not a way to spend your your childhood no. um and yeah i mean I, I wish all the all the kid YouTubers luck and you know fair play to them if they've made a couple of million out of it, good on them. But at yeah. the same time, I'm like, when they're older, are they going to look back and go, "Man, I just wish I could have just played like a normal kid for like a couple of weeks of yeah. my of my childhood," yeah, as opposed yeah, yeah. to have like go to school, go to a production meeting, yeah. and then have a camera crew follow me as I play, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly not ideal. And you, you do wonder, so like that, that was it Ryan's world or something, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you, you know, you do wonder. I mean, I'm sure he's got a wonderful life and I'm sure, you know, you obviously only see a tiny aspect of it, but there must be an immense amount of pressure on at least the family, if not, if he doesn't feel it, even the, the family, you know, to, to set these things up, to film them, to edit them, to post them and deal with all the incoming comments and sponsorships and whatnot it's like i don't know, obviously it's a full-time job and if that's your job hey you know yeah cool and if you're happy yeah. for it but, but yeah imagine yeah. like just trying to have a play date have your buddy yeah. from school come around and just chill out like yeah hey and sam's coming over we're we gonna film it no sam's like no please don't i just want to play legos you know yeah um, and it it is that like you know if you have a have your friend coming over for a play date are the parents gonna kind of go like you know we'd rather you not film our kid like do they have to sign yeah. an NDA when they enter the house? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and sign a release form. Yeah, and and knowing like how much time and effort goes into like editing and shooting and doing that twenty minute piece of content that you you put up on YouTube, I'm just thinking like how much of a scheduling nightmare is it that you know you have to kind of fit fit your life around that? And yeah. to me, it just doesn't seem right. And then like you you touched upon it with the comments, it's like. People on the internet, they're they're just assholes. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's no two ways about it. I mean, no. I, I'm sure you know they've got good moderators and everything on the walls, and the, the family and the kid might not see all the comments that get posted, but some fifty year old adult might be sick and tired of watching it from their kids watching it, and goes on their morning dump, goes on there going like, <laughs> "You are a shit child." Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's like. I think you, you're definitely more likely to get some negative feedback than you are positive, I think. Um, 
there's people just again it's a jealousy thing and that comparison you know that that mental state is like oh this kid's making millions and i'm sat in the slum blah blah blah, blah. You know? yeah yeah it's, it's it's not great i think the internet isn't great for kids um it well it's a, it's a fantastic source uh, for information and that but yeah the social aspect of it isn't great i think it's such a young age and no, and i and i think even for for older age i mean i'm i'm pushing 40 now like my son reminds me every single dinner time <laughs> that i'm going to be 40 this year yeah. thanks son uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> as, as if i didn't have enough crises to deal with in my mind <laughs> um but it even for like for for my age and i i think our age uh, it there is just that huge amount of negativity negativity on the social networks yeah and like I said, you know, whenever I open Twitter, I just feel like it's just shouting abuse at me. And every time I scroll through my feed, it's just like, it's just bickering. It's like yeah. all the adults that I follow, they've regressed to like four-year-olds and they're on the school playground going, my daddy is better than your daddy. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. I was like, oh, yeah. I think, just... I think I cut ties with uh, Twitter a long time ago. Um and I re only recently reinstalled Facebook. Uh, and I think that was only to search the ads to buy something, you know, but, and then you look at your memories and you're like, ah, okay, yeah. Right. yeah but no, I, for me, you know, wanting to do this and wanting to, you know, have a clothing brand and whatnot, everything is social media. Yeah. So it's say, oh, I had to get rid of it because it was, it was depressing because it's so much, like I say, recently, certainly so much negativity and people sharing false information and false stories and, it's just like, man, do we need to? Just can we just not just shut up and get on with get on with life right? and just try and try and be cheerful? I've been a miserable son of a bitch for the past couple of months, but um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a lot happier right now. Yeah, it's it's weird though. Um, I've I've heard a lot a lot of people like with the with the current lockdown that it's hitting them a lot harder than the, the than the first one and the yeah. and the one before lockdown two dot two I mean, lockdown 2.0, I that was easier for me because you know it was like okay, it's a month. I can there's a there's a start date and an end date. I, yeah. I can deal with that. But the first one was really really difficult. Yeah. Because my life was literally that I treated my home like a hotel. Like I I came here to to eat dinner and I slept here. Right. Um, everything like work wise and everything else, I I'd, I'd be out the door by eight o'clock um back at six seven depending on six thirty seven o'clock depending on traffic spend a bit of time with the kids before you know having dinner and then putting them to bed going out to the gym um weekends back then were like you know we we'd have language school for the kids kids hobbies my hockey my my wife's hobbies and everything else and we just were on the go all the time yeah and when the first lockdown started i was like yeah calendars are clear can finally relax and after about two weeks i was like i'm bored of this now yeah <laughs> yeah and because back then you know it, the news was just terrible um like it just felt so bleak living yeah. through that that i i got to a point with my own mental health that during the first one i was like doing a workout in my garage and i was just like looking up at the ceiling and i was looking at this one beam and i was like i'm gonna hang myself off of that 
And yeah. I kind of realized at that point that I'm not well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, because, you know, normal like normally I, I don't I don't drink hardly at all. I've got like one time a year when I get completely hammered and that's yeah. my team's end of season party. Sure. Um but during the first lockdown it was like daily. Yeah. And it wasn't like having a couple of drinks here or there, like with dinner, like having a beer or anything else, but it was actually getting drunk every yeah. day. And I just turned to my wife and said, I don't want to live anymore. Um, and yeah, we, we managed to, to kind of sort through it. Um, I had a lot of support from my family and my friends to kind of get through it, but it was just kind of scary yeah, how, sure. how deep you could go and how quickly that, you know, that change kind of like, I'm going to hang myself and I'm yeah. going to do it off that beam. Off that particular one right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, um, and for some reason, I thought that was what I was really afraid of when we we're talking about earlier with the with the third lockdown and the the post that I was writing for my blog. It was like my my fear at the time when I was writing it was that I'm gonna fall into the same kind of same kind Mindset. of place. Yeah, <clears throat> but for some reason, I've had the opposite happen. That I'm now more motivated to kind of achieve all my goals and what I want, like what I want to achieve, it, it's become more crystallized in my mind. Yeah. And I've actually got the motivation and the, the fire in me to, to actually go and do the work to achieve it. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out, like I speak to my friends and everything else, and some of them are struggling with this one more than they did with the, the previous two. And I'm like, I don't understand why I've, don't have the same experience as I did with the first one. Is it because I've I've already gone through it? Yeah. And this is so familiar now <laughs> that my my life and routines have just become so ingrained in like, you know, waking up in the morning, logging on to my to my laptop at from my kids' playroom that I've hijacked as my as my office. Yeah. And um and just, you know, doing my work and then going into the garage to to work out. And I, I think kind of having that routine has nice. helped um and kind of like okay at the start of the lockdown you kind of saw the the number of cases shooting up the number the daily deaths were just just terrible to to listen to but now that you you're kind of seeing day by day everything's coming down and you're kind of like thinking like okay kids are going back to school on monday yeah. now that that's that's good 12th of april everything should should open i should touch wood hopefully get my yeah. my sleep finished at the at the tattoo parlor gyms are going to open rinks are going to open uh we're seeing that you know for for my hockey there's trials going on with like the leagues with streaming series and everything else so i'm like okay i i have lost this season completely there's no no chance that i'll i'll have yeah. a season this year but at least there's hope that you know things are normalizing yeah so I don't know if it, if it's just that that I've kind of like gone through the the worst of it now, um, or with the first one, and I'm kind of like okay, now we're actually getting somewhere because back end of or early part of last year we vaccines were like <laughs> everybody was like yeah vaccines are going to be the way out of this, but it's going to be a year and a half before before they're out. Yeah. But now we're kind of seeing like okay they're going into like we're vaccinating what million people a week something yeah, like that no idea. <laughs> no, idea, but, no idea 
but still it's like okay we're, we're actually seeing progress here and that i think that's what's keeping me going at the moment is that you know yeah, you things sort are, of see an end in sight now. yeah yeah and uh, not not the end in sight that you were initially thinking in first lockdown you know no no, no. And, and thankfully i i had learned from my previous experiences of not talking to anybody um, yeah. about the about those kind of thoughts and everything else but it was actually saying that look i'm not doing too well here yeah um i'm kind of getting the help um and speaking to the people um about it really kind of helped like okay i'm not kind of alone in this people are going to going to miss me if i'm if i'm gone yeah uh which you know when you're going through something like that you you don't realize it because you're just no. battling it's, your own yeah own you're brain, in, you, basically. yeah you're in your own mind with your own thoughts and it's you and your pain that you're trying to deal with isn't it? it's yeah you know i i haven't felt that way for a long time as a as a teen i spent a few nights in my bed with a knife to my throat just sort of like I don't want to, don't want to live anymore. Um, but I was almost, I think I was almost embarrassed about the thought of it and upsetting. I'll go keep upset to a lot of people because I upset my granddad. And I can't remember why it was always my granddad that I, that I thought about. Um, but it was that as I was, you know, sort of lay there crying thing. I just don't want to live anymore. Like I said, getting up in the morning, I've got to get up in the morning to go and face more of this shit to then yeah. come home and face, what's, what's the point now? what what's the point but i had goals as a kid I, I wanted to be a stunt performer um and i knew everything at the time that i needed to do to work towards it would be seen as kind of girly and even less masculine than you know maybe i already felt you know a small scrawny little teenager everyone yeah. bigger than me like in year 11 and all the year seven kids like up here so he was like what have you been drinking <laughs> like, everyone was huge <laughs> Um, but yeah, again, say feeling so alone and not, not like say, not talking to anyone, not sharing any of it. Um, so I'm really glad that you, you said learn from that to speak to people because I think that that is the the biggest part of anything like that is opening up, which is like I say for me doing this this conversation and the whole idea of this podcast is is helps me just me talking to people helps me realize that oh yeah that was. Yeah, that's why I did that, and that's why I felt like that. And trying to then, you know, show to other people that other people do also struggle, but there are there are ways past it, you know. Yeah. And talking to people and opening up is, I think, that that first step, and it is a major one, and it and it's really difficult to do. Um. So yeah, you know, having the power to open up and talk to people, I think, is is really yeah. respectful. And I and I think you know, nowadays people are, I think people are finding it quotes and quote unquote easier to talk about it because it's not as stigmatized as it was back when I was back in in the 90s or early 2000s yeah but having I mean saying that it's easier sounds like such a such a cop-out because it it's not easy to to kind of admit that you're you're not feeling well and the the life that you're you lead is you feel like it's not worth worth living anymore and yeah. you know that kind of has uh the the effect on you that you're not kind of looking forward to it and you you feel like you're like you said you're gonna you feel like you're letting people down by feeling like that and yeah. they they might think differently about you because you're not who you who you think you are who you who are you who you're supposed to be but you know 
it takes a long time and i've gone through several of these kind of episodes that you know it it does get easier yeah. but you know it it is still difficult to kind of admit on a day by day or when you're going through a bad slump it's like yeah it i'm i am struggling here but you know i know that if i talk about it people aren't going to kind of point at me going ah you pussy yeah kind of thing um which is what i i thought it was back back when i was younger that you know if you if you open up about it it's like everybody's just going to tell you to to man up nope and drink a yeah. pint of cong the cup kind of thing yeah uh, there's very much that let's say as as a kid I, I ran out of friends to talk to about it uh and talking to your parents did did seem like what am i going to worry them with this like I, you know they've got enough going on yeah. but sh- i should have done yeah <laughs> which is which is weird because i know that if i would have talked to my parents about it they they would have helped me through it oh yeah but but for some reason you know you there's such a huge barrier for a kid going through through puberty and everything else to kind of like open up to your pa- to your own parents and go mom dad i, I need help uh, yeah. i'm not i'm not feeling well uh, and it, i'm trying to tell my kids that, that you know they can come come to us with with everything um but it's like thinking back to my o- own childhood it's like yeah i, I didn't share things like that with my, my parents yeah. and they they if i know that at the drop of a hat if i would have said that i need help they would have been there. supported me yeah no matter what yeah yeah see I've, I've opened up a lot like i say recently talking to my family i've been talking to my my stepmom recently i was like um you know how i was feeling and how it felt that they weren't available and as she said in fact it was more it felt more the other way that like she'd want to talk to me but i wasn't available i wouldn't open up but she could see i needed to you know um so in that speaking to them about how I was at that time and them noticing that there's something not quite right, but me not talking about it and them not wanting to approach it so that I don't get further upset. You know, it's, it's a strange like, like loop, you know, a vicious circle, isn't it? Of just no one, no one talking to anyone doesn't (laughs) help. Um, But yeah, I've felt like recent over the past year or two, I've been talking to so many people about, uh, it's just like new people that I meet. You know, so I was a suicidal teen and this is why, and this is, I fell out with my friends, blah, 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 blah. And it, I've, I've felt, like, felt great power in talking about it and it helped clear my mind. And if people say, oh, you know, but you know, why are we like that? And why this and why that? And so, yeah, this is how I felt. You know, I can't, yeah. I can't tell you that, you know, I, obviously you say you were there and my other friends say they were there, but at the time you certainly don't feel like it is can't explain yeah. it beyond that it just didn't feel that way at the time um the other thing is uh, that was odd you know you, you well, in the introduction we mentioned obviously about um uh being in changing rooms with other people um my first sort of instance of that i think we went on a school trip somewhere and we were doing outdoor activities and going to the showers and all the boys were growing up again going through puberty and i think all the boys had their uh had started growing pubes i know we, you know it's not don't really need to be talking about these things, but as a thing, I hadn't yet. But even simple things like that, to know it's like yeah. they're changed. They're, they've what's going on there? They've changed. I haven't, and I'm behind now. I can't, I can't be naked in front of these because I'm now even less. Yeah, you know, I'm even let. I already feel low. I'm now even less. That you guys are starting to grow up. You're starting to get underarm hair. Starting to get pubes, and I'm still this tiny little 
12 year old and I'm 16, you know, like yeah. <laughs> it's a tiny little human being. Um, and I think again, that, that whole comparison thing to people is, let's say we, we touched on it obviously before, before we started recording the comparison to people's bodies, physiques, way of life is, I think is, can be quite hard as well. Yeah. But you say for, for yours is with, with your hockey, isn't it? Um, yeah. We, we never, when, when did you start playing hockey? You assume you start in Finland. Did you start after you? Yeah, I, I start. I started playing in Finland. So my background with hockey is that I I started playing kind of like in a team one year, then dropped out because my schoolwork suffered. Went back, dropped out. Went back, dropped out. But I've all because of the you know winters back then were cold. Um, so you were able to play outdoors. So that's yeah. what I did throughout the winter. Um. And then when we we moved to to Amsterdam, I started playing for a team there just to so I'd have something to uh, to occupy myself with. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, I played I played there for for four years. Um, had to give up uh, when I went to the army and I had a, a knee injury that I couldn't get back from. Yeah. And I thought I, I thought that at that that point, you know, I was I was done. Um, and it wasn't until I was on one of these drunken drunken uni nights out that I met a couple of other Finnish guys um, yeah. on a night out. And, you know, the first thing that they say to me is like, hey, do you play hockey? I'm like, I've played a bit. <laughs> I've dabbled. <laughs> I've dabbled. <laughs> and um, and they kind of, they invited me to the, the uni team's um, inline hockey training. And I was like, okay, I'll go and see what it's all about. And, you know. Uh, the rest is history. I started playing inline hockey and then went back to ice. And um, it's, I think, 11 years ago now, I was kind of sitting sitting around and thinking like, you know, I haven't played league hockey and I, I want to give it another go, see how far I can push it. Yeah. See if I can make it to, to like a higher level or to kind of semi-pro level that I was when I was in, in Holland. And yeah, I that was 11 years ago uh, that I started playing again like properly like yeah. through everything that i had into it um and yeah still going going strong with it but um obviously you know there's been several injuries that have got, gone with it um of uh, too many operations that i care to care to call. call uh but you know i i wouldn't change any of it um if i if i if a genie suddenly appeared and kind of said, you could be completely healthy, have no pains whatsoever, would you trade away all of your years of experience from hockey? And I'd say, no. No. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I'm, I'm a bit like, my body's a bit busted. My, I've, I've, I've managed to survive without breaking any bones as far as I know. Uh, I'm pretty sure everyone's done fingers and toes. We don't count them. Um, my fingers are slightly crooked and lumpy and bumpy. My toes are a mess, but <laughs> I think they're a given. Um, I have a really crooked nose, which people keep telling me is broken, but according to the doctor, it wasn't. But eh, I don't know. I've had yeah. many, many, many injuries and some you know, bizarre things, you know, really, really painful stuff. But x-ray after x-ray, no breaks whatsoever. Yeah. Um, shoulders, ankles, legs, uh, you name it. I've, I've busted myself up, but the only real lasting one, I think my shoulder is quite... Bad. I definitely don't have as much pushing power with this left shoulder yeah. um, as I do with my right. And it's noticeable doing even things like push-ups, you notice you end up lopsided because you're having to support more on your right. Um, and my back is gets uncomfortable quite a lot. I have to see the osteopath quite regularly and get yeah. snapped back into place. Um, 
And the first time that kind of went, I ended up like unable to walk. It's like, oh no, not like, you know, yeah. paralyzed, paralyzed, but it's so no. painful. Just like, yeah. Oh, uh, uh. yeah. Um, and I, that's, that's been a regular thing ever since, man. So, yeah. No, I, I fully sympathize with the back. Um, I've had, I think it's four. Yeah, four injections into my into my back because I've I've got a low uh, prolapse disc in my my back that sometimes flares up. Yeah, and I remember remember coming back from the osteopath one time and she she was kind of working on me and every time she touched me I was like just screaming in yeah. agony, and she was like I think you should go to the hospital because I think you've got <laughs> there's something seriously wrong here, and I remember like walking to my car not being able to walk and then literally crying like tears streaming down my face trying to get into my car because like that just i had a uh an r-line uh passat so it was lowered down yeah and the normal version so trying to get into the car i was like this is not working (laughs) um but yeah uh the back the back has been the most painful injury that I've ever had. Um, I think the worst injury to live through uh, was a brain injury. Um, okay. This ha- yeah, this happened when I was uh, playing my first season for the Pitbulls. Um, so I, I've heard two different versions of things. I, I have no idea what happened. Yeah. Um, all I remember that it happened in the second period of the game. We were on the power play, and I felt that I got hit from behind. Now, people, depending on who you speak to, some people say that, you know, I fell down, I got straight back up um, and went to the bench. Some people say I fell down, I hit my head, I laid there for a bit before getting up and getting to the bench. Yeah. And there's, for a period of about six months, I can only piece together what people have told me. Yeah. Like I lost six months of my life because of a concussion and a brain bleed. Yeah. And, you know, living through that was, I, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's, I think it's the single most scariest thing that I've had to kind of lift through injury wise. Yeah. Because your days are spent in this constant days. And no matter what you do, you move ever so slightly in bed, you've got a constant headache. The headache just comes. If if the lights aren't right, you you're just pulling the duvet over your over your head so that it's dark if the smell's yeah. off it, it it was just hell living through that and you know to this day i still kind of have slight coordination problems like you should see me do star jumps that's just <laughs> fucking hilarious because <laughs> <laughs> um, i have like no coordination of like how my hands and feet need to work work wow, together okay. and that's the only thing i can't like Normally, I can do everything else. Like I can't do like fancy jump rope stuff that boxers usually do. Yeah, because my legs just get completely muddled. I don't have that co- level of coordination. But yeah, star jumps is something I still struggle with. And a couple of the th- things that people told me that I was doing is like um, 
and I don't mean to kind of tell you this, given I know that you're on a on a sugar break, but uh, <laughs> I was <laughs> at work. I was uh, I was working for a PR, an American PR agency at the moment uh, that were setting up uh, shop in the UK. And one of my colleagues had just been into over to the US, and he brought over like a bunch of sweets from the yeah. US, like Reese's Pieces and like peanut butter and chocolate and you know stuff mm. like that. All the good stuff. Yeah. Um, so. I had like my keyboard was here, my laptop was there. Um, I had my coffee cup here. The sweets were somewhere here. I was just typing. I was like, okay, I'm gonna have some 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 of the sweets to eat. And I just like put my hand down. I keep typing with one hand, scrolling with the mouse. I'm going like, why does my hand feel hot and wet? <laughs> I look over and like I've been holding my hand in, in my coffee. coffee cup, trying to get to the sweets. So I'm like. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I, I'm. This was, I think this was about four weeks after, yeah. and I'd just been kind of cleared to go back to work. Um, no idea why the doctors let me drive because I, I still remember I felt mostly drunk. Yeah, like everything was just off balance. So that was one, and the the other thing that I remember doing. Um, is that I was having a having a shower one morning. I went to grab my towel, dried off, and I was like, "Why does my towel keep getting wet? Like, <laughs> what's what's going on here? And I'm I'm not getting dry. I'm going like this and drying myself, going like trying to figure out what's going on. And it wasn't until I happened to glance up, I was like, oh, "Great going, Yanni, you idiot! You're standing under the shower, and the shower's still on." <laughs> and it's like. <laughs> It's it's funny looking back on it now. Sure, yeah, I'm sure it but, wasn't at the time. <laughs> but the mo at, at the time when I was going through it, it was like, holy fuck, why why is this happening? Like yeah. I had I had no comprehension that you know the shower was still on. The reason I'm not getting dry is because I'm still showering, and the reason why my towel is a soaking mess is because I'm still under the shower. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it that is the the scariest. Um injury that I've had and because it went on for so long um it just felt like I'm never going to be back to normal yeah and in some ways I feel like I am not the same person that I was that I was when I went into that game obviously you know this is 10 years ago I would have grown up and changed but there yeah. there's definitely like this feeling at the back of my mind that something changed fundamentally within me um on that day um, but you know, um, I'm lucky that it wasn't more severe than that. If, sure. if the only thing that I still suffer from is that I look like a complete idiot doing star jumps, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with that because, because I know that there, there are people who've had similar injuries and yeah. their whole lives is, lives have gone to ruin because of it, that they, they cannot function, function yeah. normally on their own. And they're like, all their finances are being looked after by somebody else because you know their brain is just like i've got money yeah. i'm gonna buy a sports car even though i can't afford it but i've got money yeah so it's it, like that people who've had serious injuries like that they they just have no rationale for things that they do they can't explain the, why they do certain things it's just like they live on this impulse of i'm gonna do it because it yeah. feels right at the moment but at the end of the day it's not you know it's not the the right thing to do or anything like that so i consider myself pretty lucky
Yeah, no, yeah, certainly by comparison. Yeah. How do, how does in that work with the with the ice hockey with the coordination thing? Is it's not a problem? No, no. I think it's because I've I've played the game for so long that it's deep ingrained. Like, it, it's yeah, it's deeply ingrained. Like um obviously, you know, I'm getting on a bit. I'm not as quick as I used to be, but you know, the fundamentals of it they 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 don't change like the coordination on on the ice feels normal and yeah. it is literally just the star jumps I, I have no idea why but start i cannot do star jumps yeah this i'm, I'm sure it's mildly amusing to watch it's, it's, it's not a great reason why um yeah uh, so hopefully there's no other long lasting effects that sort of appear from it i'm sure 10 years down the line obviously it's been 10 years you know that's a good sign that everything is kind of leveled out now yeah you know, yeah no I've, I've, had, I've had ct scans and an mri and there definitely is a brain there so, so. <laughs> <laughs> still got one yeah and uh, say so we we talked let's say obviously about you your mental health um problems that you suffered throughout the first lockdown and stuff like that um are you, you, you now, you say you, you're quite comfortable in understanding how you need to approach them that now going into the future and like in sort of opening up and talking and being honest about how you feel? Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say, sit here and kind of say like, oh, it's never going to happen to me again. And I, no, I know no. how to, how to handle it when it does, because, you know, chances are that if I, if I do have a relapse or or fall into that kind of space again it will be difficult to to admit it but you know having gone through um cognitive behavioral therapy cbt um treatments before i've kind of have those ingrained in my my system as well to know what i need to do and where i need to go to get the help yeah. um so i'm not going to be kind of like you know set up setting my the corner of the sofa like hiding under the covers and going like oh, i don't want to face the world yeah uh, type of thing but you know i at the moment i had i definitely have a uh more positive outlook on on life and um the way things are are progressing so um touch wood that that will carry on for for a long time but uh you know that with with these kind of things um it, it can change at a at a flip of a button i mean i yeah. like i mentioned with the with the beam and everything else that was just like that um so as long as you know um as long as i can keep active keep myself going and kind of focused on on my objectives that i want to achieve both um athletic wise uh career wise and everything else i should be um i should have things relatively under control <laughs> yeah so you, you said like you were more focused on your your goals now what is it you're working towards is so i I want to be um because it's been a year since i've played actually it will be a full year on the 16th of march um that i last played a game so i want to be in the best shape of my life when i actually get to go into a season so yeah i i have all this time now between now and september when the season starts to kind of work to it um so i don't have an excuse of like oh work was just so busy that i didn't have a chance to do it yeah um I'm working from home, you know, things <laughs> it's it's my own fault if I don't if I don't do the exercise and and kind of get there. And just being, you know, even for for work being driven to uh to kind of achieve my goals and realize um what I can actually do um in terms of the work um and the company that I 
I work for. Um, it, it's just kind of driving me that actually, you know, I've got a got a great opportunity here to to do something that not a lot of people get to do. Um, and if I do this right, um, basically, you know, doors are going to be open for me for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. So that's kind of like what's motivating me to uh, to keep pushing forward to uh, to kind of have that vision that you know get this right and uh, you can do anything if you, if you can make it here you can make it anywhere <laughs> kind of thing yeah yeah no it's, it's good I think it's always it's always important to have some goals and have something to work towards right for me even to say this no sugar thing is uh, getting back to competing in jiu-jitsu that's that's all I want in a minute uh, obviously I've got my wife I've got my kids I've got my house and I've got my job and those things are sweet you know I couldn't yeah. I couldn't ask for more um, but I need, I've always been involved in martial arts my entire life. And, you know, the past few years, it has been jujitsu training with a good bunch of people, all like-minded, you know, outcast individual idiots um, who didn't, you know, go run around choking each other all day. And then then we go and do it in front of crowds of people as well, you know, and I miss it. I miss it like a lot. And the past few months I've been a miserable, miserable bitch. First lockdown, I, I was really ill. So I was, I understood that first lockdown. It made sense. You know, I could see what was going on. I was, I was ill from March till July. So I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, so my experience, it was like, it was quite bad. I got a bad version of it. Luckily, you know, I'm all right. I've come out the other side of it fine. I didn't have to go to hospital. I, I wanted to go to hospital one day. Uh, but they didn't want to come and take me. So, you know, I didn't go. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the first lockdown was kind of all right. The weather was really good. Wife and kids were at home and we did a lot of activities and we had a lot of fun. We did some exercise and then, uh, yeah, went back to work. Second little lockdown thing. I was at work. So thing was once you, once obviously for my work, I go out to other buildings and I drive all around the place. So everything to me appears really open. So by the time we come into this third lockdown, and I listened to Boris saying, oh, you can keep your social bubbles and you can do this and this can stay open and that can stay open. It's like, well, everything's kind of open then, isn't it? Um, what what are we doing? Like, I, I'm completely baffled by it. And it kind of made me really angry. It's like, well, everywhere I go, everything appears to be open. And if a shop decides that they're essential, they'll stay open. Yeah. The mobile phone shop guy up my local shopping center, he's open. Uh, he shouldn't be, but he is. Um, you know, Poundland, that can stay open because they sell food and drinks. Sweet shops, they can stay open because they sell drinks. You know, all these things is like, well, sh- surely just everything can be open then. Just start selling water and we'll be all right. Yeah. And you go to, go to London, go to towns and that, there's cars everywhere, there's people everywhere. And it, it feels very much like everything is normal until I get home and then I can't do the things I want to do. And I can't yeah. take the kids to do the things they want to do. I can't go and visit my family. And so the last few months, I've found the last lockdown really hard. The first one's not a problem, but this one now, it feels like it's not locked down. Everything's open, just people yeah. wearing masks. You know, yeah. I, I popped a B and Q earlier. There was the car park was rammed. The queues everywhere, and I was like, obviously I'm there as well. I can't complain about the fact that it's full of people. But you're just like, <laughs> it's full of people. You know, yeah. it's open. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think. That's where I think our experience is a little bit different with the with the lockdowns is because yeah. I've been 
I've not been anywhere since uh, Christmas Eve. Like the only place that I've been to since Christmas Eve was to the opticians to have my contact lens check, which yeah. was hideously overdue. And a trip to home base because I broke my fan in the garage, which is my only source of warmth for yeah. my home gym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and beyond that, you know, I've, <laughs> I've not left the house. Yeah. So it, it is it is different. But even the time when I went to went to home base, you know, yeah, people were just flocking there. And I think people are just going because it's just something to do. It's yeah. a day out. Um, but I, I can't remember the last time I've actually been... Actually, no. When I went to the opticians, I went to went to town, and yeah, when I when I went there, you know, people were just sitting on the benches, having a chat, grabbing coffees from Costa, yeah. uh, things like that. I mean, not a lot of pe- places were open, but um, but yeah, it was just kind of one of those weird things. Like <laughs> when I walked in, walked into the shopping center, I walked past the people on the bench. I kind of had this inner dialogue going like, oh, you shouldn't be there. You shouldn't be sitting in a group of six. There's yeah. more than six of you. I yeah. bet you're from different households as well. Yeah. Yeah, you, you do that. And it's like it's like when you go, well, it's like, it's daytime. Why is there so much traffic? Why are there all these people on the road? Like, well, I'm also on the road, you know. It's the same, isn't it? You're walking down the street going, all these people running around with no masks on. This shouldn't be happening, but I'm here too, you know. So it's... yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an odd thing, but like I say, it is in a, in a dialogue thing. And all these videos you see of people are you should be wearing a mask. You, should, you know what? Look, just you sort yourself out. All right. If you've got your mask on and you're like keeping your distance and you're all right, don't start approaching people and yelling in their face because they're doing something different to you. Yeah. Pretty sure I had someone look at me and shake their head uh, when I was wearing a mask and they weren't. And you like a young guy, you know, you can assume he's going, no sheep with his mask on. Whatever, mate. Right. You know, we're all going to do different things. I, I, I have to wear a mask for work. I'm in the asbestos industry, so I have to wear a mask anyway. So wearing a mask doesn't particularly bother me. It's just remembering that you've got one in your pocket all the time. I went out today and forgot for the first time in forever. I was like, uh, now what? <laughs> if everyone else is wearing one, it shouldn't really matter. But then that's the problem is then, if he doesn't wear one, they don't wear one. Do, 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 and everything, everything stops. All their measures stop. Uh, I'm really ready for them to stop now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've well and truly had enough. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah, this we, we touch on the the last thing that we brought up um, about the, the like body image um, issues that I think I think all of us face to some extent. Like again, the reason I've kicked off with my sugar thing is looking at myself in the mirror and going, holy crap, what a mess. And jumping on the scales and going, oh shit, I'm not hitting a hundred kilos. This is not happening. Um, and yeah, it's, it's kickstarting this thing. Like, yeah, I need a reason to be back to being healthy. Do you, do you suffer with any like, body dysmorphia issues or um, because obviously you, you say you've got other athletes to compare yourself to, do you find any, pressure in what you're presented in with, with the rest of your team and other teams and stuff like that oh oh yeah absolutely absolutely i mean it's it's weird because i was um just yesterday i was just flicking through pictures on my phone um and i was i found a couple of pictures from like two years ago and i kind of looked at them now and thought oh i wish i looked like that um i wish i was that trim and that yeah. that, that ripped and then I, I kind of stopped for a second. And I thought, 
you know, when I took that picture, I was seriously not happy with the way I looked. Yeah. Even yeah. even back then. And it's for me, it's it's gotten to the point where I'm overly obsessed about it. Yeah. Like I I cannot get dressed in front of the mirror because I will just stand there and pick up flaws in myself. Yeah. Like, oh, you're you're just bulging out from your jeans, man. Look <laughs> at you, you fat sack of shit. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um and and yeah, I mean it it does impact you mentally because you're kind of it, it becomes a vicious cycle that you're not happy in your in your own skin and you start to kind of like I said pick up pick up flaws and you know when you pick up one like say uh your midriff is has gotten a bit wider during the lockdown and everything else and from the midriff it then goes like oh look at your look at your legs look yeah. at your you get your uh your uh your quads and your glutes and everything else look at that couldn't you yeah. do with it couldn't you do with a bit of salad couldn't you go for a run yeah. kind of thing um and and yeah i mean it it does also i mean i don't think anybody does it in a changing room um but for me it is one of those things that like i mentioned it's like oh i better get changed quickly so I, i'm not just like parading myself around because you know other people in the team will be looking at me like look at that look at yeah look at it look at him yeah. look at that fat sack of shit there yeah. <laughs> look at him in the corner yeah um kind of thing um and you know it's if there's a silver lining in it it's gotten me out of like punching down with humor like doing the fat jokes i mean i yeah. I, I i'm a human being i i i fuck up and sometimes i i do kind of like if somebody tells a fat joke i might laugh at it but you know, I I try and not go for those because they're they're just the cheapest. And it, I think that you know, if somebody else, if I'm feeling like shit in my own skin, yeah, what's the guy next to me gonna feel like if if they've got maybe a little bit more weight on them than yeah than I do or or anything? And so how are they gonna feel if somebody's like, oh, you look at you, you little fucking Mitchellian man, kind of thing? And you know, it, and I don't know. <laughs> It's one of those things that is it is it part of this whole like toxic toxic masculinity thing that you know you see and people talk about like is it is it just part of that behavior or is it like you know guys just putting other guys down by like comparing yourself like yeah. if you don't look like Chris Hemsworth does in Thor you're not a man yeah yeah kind of thing yeah well it was like uh, Jason Momoa wasn't it like recently getting slanted for for uh, not having the Aquaman physique. And it's like, you know, he, he still looks strong as shit, you know. Yeah. But he's currently not playing a superhero. You know, he's a dad and a businessman and, you know, let him be. But, he, yeah, he, I think there certainly is an, an element of that. And see, like, within, I assume, your sport, you'll have guys who are absolute tanks and people who are, you know, not necessarily particularly muscular as well, I assume. Um, the same thing with, with the jiu-jitsu. Some guys are absolute fucking animals. I will never be muscular because it's not something I, I'm interested in appearance-wise. I like yeah. to feel strong and be able to do what I'm trying to do well. I don't care really what I look, look like. If I lose weight and I wax all my hair off, I look like a 12-year-old child. I've got, like, no <laughs> chest whatsoever. Um, and that's that's one thing I think I might like to work on, but I don't give a shit enough to actually put that effort in. Much rather train my jujitsu for jujitsu, not for the appearance, you know. Um, but certainly, 
in the past, I think when I was, I was working out a lot, I think training, I did a charity fight and I was trying to lose weight and you, you get addicted to those little changes. You know, every, every time you, you lose an inch and every time you can see, oh, I can see this app and oh, I can see these little muscles yeah. here. Oh, oh, my jeans are falling off. And you get addicted. That's like, what, what more can I do? What more can I do? What more can yeah. I do? And, I, and, and then you sort of understand why people are constantly looking at themselves in the mirror. It's, it's one of them things I, I despise about the gym, it, people grunting in front of a mirror. I think it's like, save that till you get home, you know. But I can understand why. It's because those, those little changes that they're, they're so addicted to um, and the joy they get from the, those little changes. Uh, yeah, I've had my... my yeah. Time appreciating uh, that and feeling that myself, but um. yeah, and it's. I think the problem is just getting getting worse, and we we touched upon it, you know, when we we're talking about the social media and everything yeah. else. And I I remember I think it was just the other day that I was reading um, an article saying that you know, uh, steroid use among young men is just skyrocketing. Yeah, because they. They want to have that superhero look, physique, and yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I, 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 I haven't done steroids or taken any performance enhancing enhancing drugs. I'm I'm a tested athlete, yeah. So I I can't, but you know, because I have this warped sense of of self that you know I'm not worthy. Enough. Yeah, or, or enough because I don't look like Captain America or or Aquaman or yeah. or anything like that. That you know, there's there's this constant battle in my head that you know, oh if I if I just took that and I worked out and ate like really really well and like you know I would be there. Yeah, and it's like how much of that like shit do people actually put in their bodies and end up doing like long term damage? Yeah. To, to themselves and i mean look if, if people want to get into that stuff that's that's their own choice and as long as they can live with that themselves then then fine that's that's all Am I on mute? no sorry I, I thought i was a mute there so if if people if people are happy and they they can live with that decision then then fine but yeah it's it's something that they have to to live with and reason with themselves but it it is a it is a struggle knowing that you know there are those temptations and if you if you kind of went to somebody in the gym like you you kind of the stereotype of <laughs> of somebody who's on on gear you kind of could befriend them and kind of go you know do you know anybody you know could get me a needle and chuck myself yeah. in the ass a couple of times <laughs> um but it it does worry me that you know there are young kids out there that are like just doing it and they might be doing it completely wrong yeah um, and causing themselves more damage um yeah. but yeah and I, and I just going back to what you were saying about kind of getting addicted to like those those little changes i remember a couple of years ago like i my my shoulders are terrible i've had um i tore the labrum in this shoulder in a car accident and then broke that collarbone into five pieces playing hockey <laughs> so my shoulders are are weak as hell um, and I remember a couple of years ago, I actually started to get definition around my delts. Right. And I was like in front of the mirror going like, oh, look at that. Look at that. I need to I need to do more flies to get them bigger and, yeah. and stuff like that. And now looking back at that, those pictures that I took a couple of years ago when I had that definition, I'm like, I remember, like, like I said, I remember thinking like, 
it looks good now, but when I took that picture, I wasn't happy with it because yeah. I want I just wanted more. More. Yeah. And it, even then, it, it's one of those things that you know I still didn't feel worthy. Um, yeah. I I still wanted that you know, I'm I'm like Arnold Schwarzenegger was in his in his prime when he was competing in the Olympia. Yeah. Um, uh, like that that's. <sighs> For some reason, that is my image. That that's what a what a man should look like. Even though I know in the back of my head that that's just bullshit. Yeah, yeah. If if I look like that, nothing would change except I might feel a little bit better for like one second before I look in the mirror and go, actually, you could work on that peck a little bit more because yeah. it's a little bit off balance. That's the thing. Then, no, obviously those guys work really, really hard for them shows and things. But I can't imagine that like the mental turmoil of then not winning. Do you know what I mean? At that, yeah. is it because it's a singular? I'm, I'm, I'm all for singular sports. I'm not, I'm not a very good team sport person, and I think it's a, again a lot of that comes from school issues of falling out with people over simple things like lunchtime football. All right, no, go fuck yourself. I'll, I'll pick my BMX up and I'll go and fly down this set of stairs. Thank you very much. <laughs> but the thing is, I, I always found with um, that difference there with say the solo sport thing is, you'll have guys watch you and watch you screw it all up but cheer you on to do it again and you'll do yeah. it again and then when you get it right so much joy whereas football and things like that was like well that was a shit pass and that was a shit save and then everyone's down on you for the day um so i, I didn't get on very well with team sports and i like my individual um individual sports yeah i mean i there's there's a huge part of me that wants to wants to compete in in a bodybuilding show of some form. Yeah. But knowing what they kind of go through in terms of the preparation and, you know, do it, doing the work, that wouldn't be, be the problem for me. But it's then kind of getting on the stage and literally knowing that all the guys you're standing there with, they're judging you yeah. more than I think that people are judging me at the moment in the changing room. And then there's actual fucking judges looking at you like going, huh, yeah. No, that doesn't uh, look quite good. Yeah. So I I think that is where I would struggle with it most. And that's that's what would scare me in terms of doing it. That if I if I went for it and did it, got to like a competing shape, it would probably destroy me mentally. Yeah. Like yeah. knowing that, you know, if I didn't win, then it would be a complete abject failure. Like yeah. the best physique that I've ever had in my life, it's not enough. Like yeah. and knowing the issues that I have, like we just talked about it, it would be like, well, you really are a failure, aren't you? Kind of thing. Yeah. I, mean, I think you one of them asking for trouble, you know, putting yeah. yourself up for that, knowing that you already have that kind of thought in your head that you're already being compared, um, you know, just between your teammates, you know, and people who are your friends, you know, say your team. Um, but to to have a bunch of strangers look at you and judge you, and they are judging you for every single inch and every single, like you say, striation, every single, you know, fiber of your muscle, they're judging, and yes, yeah. you can't you can't control their opinions, you know, and you can you can be happy in yourself, but they'll soon tear you down. I'm, I, I, it's not it's not something I could ever do. Um, even just watching back that there was a documentary, wasn't it? Uh, that guy prepping, so I'll have fish and a rice cake. And then at lunchtime, I'll have a fish and a rice cake. And dinner, I'll have two fish and a rice cake and a bottle of wine. He's like, oh, what? <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is your day for the next three weeks, a fish and a rice cake? 
oh shit mate you're just dehydrating yourself and losing all of that fat just go yeah. stand on a stage and be judged for five minutes huh? but yeah again that's your that's your thing more power to you you know the the skill yeah. take, the, the, you know, the effort it takes to get into that condition you know well done it's it's not it's yeah. not for me i certainly it's, could do it but i mean absolutely i i have nothing but respect to the guys that that do do that and kind of compete because it it looks like you know everybody like looks at the bodybuilders and go like oh it's just getting the steroids it's a hell of a lot of fucking work they're probably more disciplined than, than i will ever be in my yeah. life with the with the with eating the fish and the rice cake the fish and the rice cake i think probably if i if i was to try it about third meal in i'd be like fuck it i'm calling dominoes yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, and, I'm, and this is why i'm not a bodybuilder yeah <laughs> fish and the rice cake uh, fish and the rice cake dominoes yeah, yeah. just ruined it all yeah but it, it does take such dedication to to get to that that kind of condi- condition and i i cannot do anything but admire people who who kind of go through that yeah. and literally put themselves up there to be judged um and kind of like thinking that you know how how do they feel when they they get the judges feedback that if if the package that they bring on on the on the day they feel like this is the best that i've ever been yeah and then somebody tells you like actually now you know you're you're not big enough across your across your chest you could tighten up your abs, your obliques, and everything yeah. else. Your back, your back's not defined enough. And it's like, how, how deflating must that feel? I spent five years. Yeah, yeah. It's not I, good I, enough. I spent ten grand on this show for the yeah. prep. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of money involved as well. Isn't it? Yeah, but it, 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 I think it's like that. The the other aspect of that that I couldn't do the same for. You know, say I wanted to be a stunt performer and I, I decided in 2012 that I'm going to start working in film. I'm going to start working towards a career in doing stunts because um, it was a lifelong dream that I gave up on because, again, because of kids. Um, but um, realizing I'd be out five nights a week training for all the things I need to be able to kind of get qualified and then working in film away long days, all day, every day, then not being at home for the kids, not being at home for my wife, and then the relationship and the lifestyle we have then no longer exists. And that's not, that's not what we have as a family. If I suddenly vanish um, constantly, which I don't want, I love being there with the kids, you know, when they're older and don't want to be around me, maybe I'll, you know, look again at doing something like that, but yeah. money, money involved certainly in training five nights a week and working on film sets and stuff like that. It's just, I can't, I can't be doing it now for my life situation. It's too late. I made different choices. Um, yeah. I don't, don't regret any of them. My, my wife's fantastic, and say so my kids are awesome. And yeah, I'm likewise. Winning. I mean, like I said, said uh, ten years, ten, eleven years ago, when I made that choice that I want to give hockey one last go before before I'm actually too old to get to this level I'm at now. Yeah. And when when we started expecting our first, we had this conversation like, are we going to be one financially able to to do this because it's a lot of travel. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of training. It's it, it's a lot of it's a big financial commitment, and also we're having our first first child. Are you going to be okay? Me not being there. Me not being there two three nights a week for six months of the year. Yeah, yeah. Or from September to to April, whatever that is. Um, but 
we've we've been able to make it work. Um, yes, it's been it's been tough, um, particularly when the kids were were tiny babies. But it's it's become part of their life as well. Um, yeah. That they they're accustomed to traveling to the rinks, to the games, and everything else. They love going. Um, and I'm I'm kind of happy that you know it's part of their life as well, and that we it's something that they they enjoy and get enjoyment out of. Um, my yeah. son's play learning to play at the moment. Um, it's something that he wants to to kind of follow in my footsteps. Poor kid, <laughs> I, I, I'd encourage him otherwise. <laughs> Just because I know the equipment is getting more and more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but you know it's. It's become a thing for our family. Um, it, it's something that you know, for a lot of kids, it's or families, it's football. That that's their thing. They yeah. they travel to to games, to matches. They watch it. Um, for some people, it might be rugby, but for yeah. for us, it's it's become hockey, and um, it's it's been part of my life for. I mean, I made my senior de- debut now uh, when I was seventeen, so twenty odd years. Um, it's been a major part of my life and part of my identity. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, difficult to, uh, to kind of think about that, you know, um, in a couple of years time, I'm not going to be able to play at this level anymore yeah. because age and everything else. And, um, uh, but you know, um, I just got to enjoy it while, while the right lasts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what my kids will get into. My boy does Kung Fu. My daughter did do gymnastics for a little while. She, well, they both did kickboxing actually for a little while because oh, I, yeah, I, well. I, th- I think it's really important for kids to have a, a martial art. I, I've, I've always believed in it. I think it, you know, it's good for discipline. It's good for you know, spatial awareness um, and, and all that flexibility, strength, all those kinds of things. And obviously, say, for a little girl to know how to kick someone in, in the nuts, I think is important. Um, yeah. <laughs> be able to look yeah. after herself. So. The, both both my kids do do kickboxing as well. The trouble yeah. is, my daughter punched a couple of kids at school already <laughs> <laughs> because she didn't like them. Yeah. The the game that they were playing was for girls only, and boys weren't allowed. So she punched a couple of kids in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's right. Yeah, you can laugh about it afterwards, and I'm sure um, there was some behind the back high fives at those those moments but yeah my, my daughter hasn't hit anybody yet but she's really good at standing up for other people she doesn't like yeah in, injustice in the school and she'll she'll stand up for other people and herself she's she's uh very strong-willed which is good um my boy just recently discovered riding his bike again he didn't refuse to ride for the past three years um but all the kids growing up around the, uh, around that little area now all riding around and so he wanted to join in so that's been good um so his kung fu is all right. It's not. It's not all that serious. Not like when I was a kid. Um, and she doesn't have anything now. She, I think, she did brownies, but that's obviously not happening at the minute. Um, but yeah, team sports wise, I've no idea. I grew up playing rugby. Uh, I don't know if he will. I don't know. Yeah. No idea where, where they want to yeah. go. What they want to I mean, do. I, yeah, I, I've always said that to to both of them when they were babies, like. Like they could understand me back then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but for me it's important that you know they they do 
something that they really enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, if it, if it's if it's hockey, then so be it. Uh, as long as they want to want to do it, it comes from from themselves. From, yeah, yeah. If they wanna if they wanna follow um, career into to the arts or dance or or whatever, if it, if it is martial arts, then fine. Uh, as long as they enjoy doing it, I'll I'll be there to yeah. to back them one hundred percent in uh, in whatever they want to do. Yeah, I think that that's 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 it. That's the basis of all of it, isn't it? Just you do what you want to do, and I'm I'm there. You know, yeah. no, no matter what it is you choose to do, I'm I'm there. Um, I see my son as a performer. Like I see him doing the performing arts. He just has this character about him. He's very similar to me. Very like I want to say like flamboyant, but you know, you, you kind of need to be in performing arts if you know what I mean. Happy to be a bit dancey, happy to be a bit out there and a little bit silly. And uh, and he he is that. And I watch him. He spends a lot of time watching himself in the mirror doing things. You know, and you think you you like presenting yourself. Yeah. And I think for me, it's like I see him going that way, and I'd like to sort of nudge him in that direction a bit. But it, I don't. It's not one of them like one of my failed dreams. You need to go and follow my path. It's more like I see that in him. Yeah. I'd like like to see him embrace it a bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And my daughter loves writing. She she at the minute write, loves writing stories constantly on her, well her laptop now, writing her own stories and making comics recently and art and music all sorts all sorts of things she's surprising sometimes when they have them like a little tablet and she was creating these little uh you can like dress up these anime character kind of things and give them all names and different hair and outfits and whatnot so she made this whole bunch of characters and did slide upon slide of stories with speech bubbles and all talking to each other and what's yeah. can we turn this into a cartoon and i was like yeah, I mean, it won't be physically moving, but we can do a, a slideshow thing. And so then we can voice it, voiceover as well. Like, I've got a microphone in the loft. We can go up there and we can do voiceover <laughs> for all the characters and that. Yeah. But yeah, this is, this is like really cool. It's like, cool. Well, give me, send me all the pictures. She sent me like, it was like 50 or 60 pictures, of the scenes of this thing. And I was like, okay, I'll put all these together, shall I? <laughs> and then uh, I started doing the voiceover for one character up in the loft. And I was like, it was a really, really hot day, I think, last summer. I was like, you know what? It's bloody hot up in this loft. We'll come back and do this another day because it's just too hot. She's like, yeah, it's all right. And then she said, God, oh, can we put some of my music on it as well? I was like, what? Like, yeah, she pulled up this other app. She'd been making bloody music as well. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, of course we could put some of the music on <laughs> You know, it's not, it's not like, um, you know, all completely perfect and something you could market and something. But I was like, yeah, you've been making music. I didn't even know you were doing this. Yes, I could put some of your music on it. Of course we could do that. But. That's awesome. Well done. Yeah, so she, she's a creative mind. Um, and he's just a kamikaze lunatic, I think. And they're very, very yeah. different. But I, I enjoy watching them grow and change and see what, yeah. they, see what they get into. Um, and so I say to her, people say like, ah, oh, I don't like watching you grow up. Oh, I hate uh, missing all the young bits. It's like, I really enjoy watching them grow. I really enjoy seeing what they're they're next into and where they decide to choose to go and you know and how they can inspire me and how I can help inspire them to sort of do certain things and be certain, be a type of person you know and I, yeah I'm sure we yeah you know, well I hope you're doing well as a parent and I'm sure I'm doing all right um, they're happy we're happy with they're clothed and fed and everything's all fine and dandy, you know, yeah. I just, you know, so just, I just don't look forward, like you say, to those bits in the future where they're involved in social media and secondary school and all that jazz is, I think there'd be a lot of heartache to come at that 
period of time. Yeah. Um, my daughter's at, let's say, her last year of uh, junior school now. So another year and she'll be introduced to the big bad world of secondary school and uh, and all the problems that come with that. But, um, yeah. but for now, there's still little children and we can... Yeah, I, I, yeah, I've got a couple of years until then. But yeah, I, I do kind of already share that that fear interpretation of what's it going to be like when they when they get into that into yeah. that stage and they they kind of start demanding their own phones and apps and everything else but yeah like like I said i mean for me the most important thing is that the kids are are happy um they they seem they enjoy life um and the activities that they're into um just need to uh to kind of get things back to normal so that all of their hobbies and everything kind of open up so that they can yeah. start to uh, to experience life properly yeah. again. Yeah, I think I think that's the biggest thing. Them missing out, and more yeah. more than anything, it is them missing out and seeing them. Like my daughter gets upset every now and then and not being able to see her friends and not being able to hug her friends. And you know, you, you feel for her. It's uh, you know, it's been their day day in day out for the past however many years. You know, going to school and being with their friends, and now they haven't been. You know, and it's. Yeah, I look forward to it opening up just so that they can they can get back to having their lives and taking them swimming, you know, and taking them to concerts and yeah, cinema, all the things that we love, music, movies, you know, and outdoor activities and being with friends. Yeah, it's it it can't come quick enough. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, an exciting future to look forward to. Hopefully, in a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just wait, wait, sit back and see, and let let the government decide what we can and can't do with our lives. Yeah, can't but, wait uh, until it's all over. Yeah. Can't wait. Well, you know what? I think we, we've uh, we've hit on quite a few really good topics there and covered quite a few things. Um, and I've had an absolute wonderful time chatting with you. I just ask if if there was any one bit of like solid advice you could hand out to anybody who might be suffering with any kind of mental health issues. I'm not saying it's a be all and end all, but a a piece of advice that you find has helped yourself. Um, I think the the piece of advice that I would give is that um, there will be light at the end of the tunnel. It it might not feel like it right now but things will get better and um, and people would much rather hear your story and your problems than to to kind of watch your coffin and the advice that i would give to to anybody um, out there is that you know people always say that you know if you're if you're feeling down um, my you can always contact me or my dms are open or whatever um, but just actually reach out to people um, because a lot of times like we've discussed, it's it's difficult to actually open up and reach out. So yeah. often if you if you take that first step and you kind of if you think your friend is having a bad time of it or a rough time of it, just drop him a line. Because that that in itself will be will be a massive help. Um, yeah. but but yeah, things things will always get better no no matter how bleak things seem at the moment. So it's it's just uh rough rough ride that we all have to get through and um but like i said it's uh it's always better to uh to listen to those stories than uh than to read about um an obituary yeah yeah no i completely totally and least second that um find find it within yourself to open up you know it, yeah. it might feel embarrassing might feel difficult but it will be the best thing 
that you can do to start feeling better is to open up, you know, yeah, definitely. people, people that you trust, you know, and they, and they will want to listen, you know, people who love you and trust you, they will want to listen, you know, and they will care. Uh, and that's, that's the thing. There are people who love you and there are people who care. So open up and talk to them. Um, yes, yeah, so I totally agree with what you said there. Um, and then just to finish off, recommend me, uh, some heavy music. <laughs> recommend an album <laughs> all right um what have i been listening to recently so at the moment what i've had in on heavy rotation is the new architects uh, okay. for those who those that wish to exist bit of a different to their their normal style but i i still dig it and then a couple of other bands that i've been jamming out to are uk-based hardcore bands like um sorry i need to look them up on spotify <laughs> here that's fine <laughs> because I will forget because my brain is just mush otherwise. <laughs> so there, there's a band called um, Ironed Out, and I think it's Gassed Up. Okay. Ironed Out and Gassed Up, eh? Uh, yeah, Gassed Up. Yeah. So they, they're kind of like, they're, they're hardcore bands that, uh, that combine elements of grime, and yeah, it's just heavy, dirty, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good shit. <laughs> uh, I'll have a look and have a listen. And uh, mate, listen, I really appreciate you uh, giving me this opportunity to talk to you. Um, no, thanks for having me. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, thank, thanks for opening up as well and being honest, which is, I think you say, is really important for a lot of people to hear and to get off your chest. I hope it maybe has helped you a little bit. It certainly brightened my uh, <laughs> uh, evening. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, uh, I look forward to speaking to you again in the future. And I hope you yeah, know, ice hockey continues to, well, opens up soon. You get to continue to work towards those goals. And uh, yeah, I hope you, your family get to go out and have some fun soon. Yeah, um, definitely. And I'll, I'll, um, I'll let you know if we're ever playing nearby you so that uh, yeah. you can come and watch a game. Well, we, have, we, we do have a local rink, actually, in Gillingham. Um, I played there, well, I played there once. I practiced there once. I have a couple right. of Chilling is where I uh, I broke my collarbone, so I've got I've got fond <laughs> memories. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, my my one go at it wasn't wasn't too grand, but uh, we, <laughs> this is a story for another time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good stuff, man. Thanks for having yeah. me on. No worries, thank you very much, man. I All appreciate right. it. Thanks, man. No worries, cheers. <laughs>